today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Part of our problem in our nation right now is that we have a a nation that's filled, we're overwhelmed, we're glutted by these people who are so-called teachers or life coaches or mentors, and all, all of them are filled with an understanding, they're filled with a method, but it's man's method, it's not God's method, it's built on man's wisdom, it's not built on the principles of God's word, it's not built on the truth of God's word, it's not built on the heart of God Himself. Have you ever pursued the self-help section at your local library or bookstore? It's enormous and getting larger every day. However, as this section grows, it seems that people are becoming more depressed, dissatisfied, and confused. In today's message in the Gospel of Luke, Pastor David teaches us that it's not man's wisdom we need, but it's God's. One thousand human counselors, authors, and teachers cannot provide the help we need. However, the Lord and His Word can. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, Blind Leading Blind. speaking a couple of weeks ago about this heart of generosity. I don't know how much that impacted your life. I don't really know how much uh, you remember from that message from a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was a message that really challenged you in your own personal walk, or maybe it was one that just uh, confirmed that, uh, again, that you are an individual with a heart of generosity. But I did leave you with a question, or or, or better yet, even a, a challenge from a couple of weeks ago. And that was this. Do you yourself have a personal plan that demonstrates a consistent faithfulness and stewardship of your time, your talents, and your treasures? Do you personally, in your life, have a direction in your life that is a demonstration of good, godly stewardship of your time, talent, and treasures. Now, this isn't law. It's not a command. I think, for me, it's a suggestion to you, again, just to help you know that your heart is fully the Lord's and that it's not being distracted or pulled by the things and the cares of this world. The things of His kingdom last for eternity. The things of this world are but for a moment. Are you really one who has a heart who is completely the Lord's? Or are you only part-time? Are you only a convenient disciple of Jesus Christ? There is a big, big difference between the two. And I dare to say that I've got a pretty good argument being a part-time disciple of Jesus Christ 
is not a disciple of Jesus Christ at all. We either are or we're not. As I said last night, we either is or we ain't, okay? Bad English, but good theology. Perhaps by now, a couple of weeks since that message, maybe you've forgotten about that. Maybe the impact of that message is worn off. But again, we, we come back this morning. I want to revisit that a moment. But I want to kind of tweak that question or that challenge a little bit to state it this way. Do you, as a professing believer in Jesus Christ, live your life on purpose or by accident? As a believer in Jesus Christ, do you live your walk in Christ on purpose or by accident? Do you, as a believer, live your life in such a way that you're you're constantly aware of the Lord's presence? Do you seek His leading in your life daily and throughout the day, not only in your life, but in your family, in your job, in your finances, with your free time? Are you full in in your commitment to Jesus Christ? Are you daily His, or is it only on Sundays and other days of holy obligation that you're his. As we wind up this section in Luke, we're in the gospel according to Luke. We're in chapter 6. We're in that section of Luke's writings that are the Beatitudes. Here it is, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. We get a few more really quick declarations by Jesus to his disciples and also, I believe, to the crowd. A couple of probing questions that he asked. And then Jesus speaks about that difference between a life that is holy and completely founded on him versus that life that simply agrees with his teachings and yet isn't moved into action. Do you realize that within the church today, there are a lot of people who really like the teachings of Jesus? They're very comfortable with the teachings of Jesus. They agree with the teachings of Jesus. But they're not committed to those teachings in their own lives. Only God knows that. Well, you and God knows that. And God knows it probably better than you. So easy, we're, we're, we're able to deceive ourselves many times and say, say what we is when we ain't that at all, okay? Well, before we get to that part about the life being founded, it's that story again of building our house upon the rock versus building it on the sand. Before we get there, there's some things that I want to look at this morning. Look with me, if you would, in Luke 6, verse 39. Again, Jesus speaking. He's got the disciples with him. There's also this crowd that's there. And Jesus spoke a parable to them. Verse 39 of Luke chapter 6. He spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a ditch? I don't know about you, but to me that seems like a no-brainer. Well, absolutely. That, that, that's absolutely foolish. A blind individual trying to lead a blind individual. Neither one of them knows which way to go. Neither one of them can really guard against the pitfalls that are all around them. Neither one of them are able to warn about the hazards along the way. Neither one of them are able to keep each other from falling into the ditch. So once again, I, I feel that Jesus here 
though a vast majority of this teaching in the Beatitudes is directly at those that were called disciples, as I read this, I almost envision the fact that as Jesus is teaching now, he's scanning through the crowd, and he possibly catches the eyes of those who are the Pharisees and the scribes, those teachers of the law, those that were in such control over the people. Uh, they were the ones who knew the letter of the law, but they had no idea about the intent of the law, nor did they really know the heart of the giver of the law. They were blind guides. I believe that as Jesus is looking out over this crowd, he asks that question, can the blind really lead the blind? Won't they both fall into that ditch? That's a dangerous situation. And you know what? There's way too many teachers and leaders of the people, uh, even today, who don't know the truth, and they have absolutely no real or growing relationship with the one who is the truth, with Jesus Christ. Part of our problem in our nation right now is that we have a, a nation that's filled, we're overwhelmed, we're glutted by these people who are so-called teachers or life coaches or mentors. And all, all of them are filled with an understanding. They're filled with a method, but it's man's method. It's not God's method. It's built on man's wisdom. It's not built on the principles of God's word. It's not built on the truth of God's word. It's not built on the heart of God himself. And the sad part is, it's not just secular teachers and life coaches and mentors that get us into trouble. Many times today, our trouble comes wrapped up in this this guise of, of religion. And people get caught up in religion. And there's way too many churches and preachers that so often continue to lead people the wrong way. Either they're leading them way back into the law and the commands and the bondage of all of that, or they lead them fully the other direction, and they lead them into such a, a, a freedom from the law, suddenly they're drawn away from true devotion of Christ. Oh, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? I'm going to go and live whatever way I want to, though. You see, that's not true Christianity. I can't say that I love Jesus on one hand and live like the world in the other. I am lying to myself, and God knows the difference. But neither can I live myself or live my life under this continual burden of the law, so fearful that at any moment, you know, I, man, if I step out of line, my whole relationship is destroyed. You see, there's too often that it's being preached, it's being taught in our society today that God is either this great law keeper in the sky that you step one step out of place and whack, he's going to whack you with a stick. And on the other hand, we have this doting grandfather that says, oh, that's okay, grandchild. You can do whatever you want. I love you. Both of those are wrong. Both of those are dangerous. Both of those have a blind understanding of who Christ really is and what the call of discipleship is. Sometimes ministries focus on one aspect of the Christian faith to the demise of others. There's no overall balance in their teaching or in their discipleship. Their church or their ministry seems to be all about one thing or one doctrine, and they miss the balance. They miss the fullness of the truth of God's Word by focusing in only a part of that truth. And that leaves the church either very myopic in its focus or it looks so much like the world 
that you can't tell the difference. We find the blind leading the blind. And they're both about to fall into a ditch. The Pharisees of Jesus' day, they, they wanted control over people. There's, there's just no doubt about it. They were control freaks. They wanted control over the people. They wanted control of every part of their lives. And when you read through all of the laws and the regulations that the Jews had to keep under the rabbinical law, it's absolutely bizarre. Really and truly, over every area, how you wash your hands how and when and where you can travel on particular days of the week, how you and your spouse interact even in intimate ways. All of this they wanted to have control over. They, people were so underneath the burden of these things. And the Pharisees loved it because they, it gave them great importance. They were the blind leading the blind. And Jesus knew that they were heading for the ditch. Jesus declares that he's the way, he's the truth, and the life. He calls for us to follow after him. He promises not only to lead us into the paths of righteousness, but he reveals to us the heart of the Father. When we follow after Christ, we truly get to know the heart of the Father. Jesus is the light of the world, and when we follow after him, he sheds light on our path, and through that same light in our life, our true needs are revealed, and they're healed at the same time. Because as Jesus reveals these things, he's also powerful enough to come in and deliver us and heal us and to strengthen us in our journey. The church needs to stop following blind guides. They need to start following Jesus. And as we follow him, as we follow closely to him, we become really and truly a demonstration of who he is to a lost and dying world. The world ought to look at you and I and see Jesus. See Jesus. That's a heavy load, eh? Does the world see Jesus in me? When I'm impatiently standing in line at the grocery store, mine was the shortest line. Now this long line, they're done and I'm still standing here. They're going to see Jesus in me. They're going to see Jesus in me when I'm in the restaurant and once again, they got my order wrong or the waitress went right by and ignored me. Are they going to see Jesus in me? They're going to see Jesus in me when my wife and I get into conflict now, we'd never get into conflict, but say if we did, would they, would they see Jesus in me? Do my children see Jesus in me? Jesus told them that day, verse 40, he said, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Now, this statement really has a twofold direction. There were those that continued to follow after the Pharisees' teaching, and they would never rise above those built-in prejudices, that, that condemnation, that judgmentalism that the Pharisees were so good at. They were perfectly trained in that. And the disciples of the Pharisees would become perfectly trained in being a good Pharisee. And yet for those who would follow hard after Jesus, their lives would be taking on the nature and the very essence of Christ. You know, if you pursue after the things of the world more than you pursue a relationship with Christ, 
You're going to become just like this world. You're not going to become like Christ. You're going to become like this world. You'll have the stench of the world all around you rather than the sweet aroma of Christ flowing out of your life. I want to be like Jesus. I want my life to be like Jesus. And I struggle in that just like you do. There's battles in my life just like there's battles in your life. There's some days, okay, man, it was a good day. There's other days that I think, man, I blew it time and time again. But I want to be like Jesus. And I realize that the only way that that happens in my life is as I live my life personally, purposefully seeking his will and his direction in every area of my life and then purposefully walking in obedience to what I know to be his truth. It's then and it's only then that I become like my teacher. Otherwise, I look way too much like the world. The hymn writer put it this way. Oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer. This is my constant longing and prayer. Gladly I'll forfeit all of earth's treasures. Jesus, thy perfect likeness to wear. Oh, to be like thee. Oh, to be like thee. Blessed Redeemer, pure as thou art. Come in thy sweetness and come in thy fullness. Stamp thine own image deep in my heart. Problem is, is when we move away from being like Jesus, our own heart moves away from that heart of mercy that we shared about a few weeks ago. And we start moving into that heart of judgment and condemnation. We no longer care for people with the heart of Jesus. We no longer look at people with the eyes of Jesus. Our eyes are filled with self. There's no real care and concern for those that are around us. As I shared a couple of weeks ago, we all need to have a heart checkup on a regular basis. Our spiritual hearts, where are we? But I want to add to that this morning, in this whole health move here. We, we, we also need eye examinations. Every one of us, we need eye examinations. Jesus continues on in his teaching. He says in verse 41, he says, Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you don't perceive the plank in your own eye? And how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove the speck that's in your eye, when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite! First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. Interesting thing. It's a, it's a declaration. It's not unique to Jesus, actually, in Jewish literature and Greek literature of that time and before that time. Similar kind of saying was there, but you need to understand here how Jesus is bringing this home. He, that, that, that word for speck in the Greek is karphos. Carphos has a meaning of like a, a little piece of straw or, or grain or something. You're outside, the wind's blowing, and, you know, a piece of grass or something gets in your eye. That's what he's speaking about there. But the word for moat or plank, depending upon your version, the word for that is the Greek word dokos. And dokos had this meaning of a, a very large piece of lumber. As a matter of fact, it's like the large piece of lumber that you would set the roofing joists or the, uh, the, the ceiling, uh, the, the roof of the house upon to support the roof of a house. So quite a bit of difference between these two. And when you think about it, 
This whole saying is crazy. I mean, can you imagine someone coming and walking up to you and he's got this big plank sticking out of his eye and he says, hey, let me, let me help you with this little speck that's in your eye. You would look at him and say, whoa, no, get away from me. Get away from me. But Jesus uses this mass exaggeration to help us to understand how quickly we are to judge others without really having self-examination of ourselves. He says, you hypocrites. It's a pretty powerful word. You're a liar to yourself. You're a liar to others. You're a liar to God. You're a hypocrite. He says, first remove that plank from your own eye. Then you'll see clearly to remove the speck that's in your brother's eye. You see, if, if, if I've got that plank in my own eye, sticking out there and knocking into everything, that means that I, I'm not walking in a heart of mercy. And it's way too easy for me to point out the fault of another because I'm walking around with this critical heart issue. And I believe that more often than not, we ignore our own failures, being really quick to point out the fault of others in order to hide our own. No, don't focus in on me. I want to talk about your problem today. Don't make me think about my weakness. I want to see your weakness. And we're going to deal with your problem rather than in humility realizing, man, I've got great needs within my own life. I better start acting with mercy to those that are all around me. It's when I first fully recognize my own faults that I can then begin to move in mercy, to be able to assist that brother who's dealing with issues in their own life or that sister. That's when I'm able to move with empathy. That's when I'm able to move with love rather than judgment. The Pharisees, on the other hand, you need to realize they had a full-on forest coming out of their eyes. And this huge forest that's coming out of their eyes, they're trying to control the lives of others, and they're judgmental and they're critical on everyone because of that. And they continue to move on in that judgment against others. This heart of Phariseeism, not only was it alive then, but you know what, beloved? The unfortunate reality is it's alive and well even today in our churches. Ever since the church began, they've been dealing with it. Paul speaks about it in several of his letters. He tells the church of of Rome and and for you and I today in Romans 14.4, he says, who are you? Who are you to judge another servant? When you think about it that way, it kind of puts a little bit more power on it too. Who do you think you are to judge another servant? To his own master, he stands or he falls. And indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. When you and I walk in judgment against others, the word of God comes to us and says, who do you think you are? Standing in judgment against someone else. James, in his writings, he warns us in James chapter 4, verse 12. He says, there's only one lawgiver. I think in parenthesis he might have had, and it ain't you. There's only one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. And then James asks that same question. Who are you to judge another? Now, I don't know if you catch the irony of this, but James is the one that we all look to and says, wow, his writings are so strict and so hard. Hey, if you have faith, this is the way you ought to be walking. If you're not walking in that kind of faith, then you're not really a believer. But then it's James that comes up and says, but you know what? 
We ought not be judging one another. Learning more about Jesus is the single most important thing we can do as Christians. As we carefully consider how Jesus lived, we see beautiful examples that can apply to our lives. Though the entire Bible is rich with symbols and images that point to Jesus, the Gospels are grand central station for who Jesus is. Join us each day as Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to TheOpenWord.com. That's TheOpenWord.com. Although the open word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's word from beginning to end. Here's Tracy with more information about our service times here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe you're listening right now in Casa Grande and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. at 6.30 p.m. every Wednesday and Saturday. For more information, call us at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Or log on to TheOpenWord.com and follow the link to the church website. Thanks, Tracy. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Please join us next time for the next edition of The Open Word.